Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. I am back from the Wizards West Coast road trip and my own little vacation, and the Wizards are back in the win column. Uh, they finally broke their 10-game losing streak. To be honest, I thought they were going to do it while we were out in LA, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. They led for most of the game against the Clippers and eventually did some wizardy things and, and fell short late. And then in that Lakers game, they really you know were down for most of the game and finally came roaring back to like get it close and then ultimately... Uh, LeBron took over the game late, and and that's going to happen against a team like that, you know, when you kind of let them uh, lead you for most of the game like that. So not the worst losses in the world to, to quality teams. It just happened that they came after seven or eight <laughs> losses before that. But last night they played a Phoenix Suns team without Devin Booker, without campaign. And sometimes guys are going to miss people. The Wizards are missing people. They missed Porzingis last night, and they still got the job done. So I, I don't want to downplay that win. It's nice to get it. I'm in this like weird thing, like where I recognize this team doesn't have enough talent. They need a draft pick. They need a good draft pick. And that 10 game losing streak kind of sandbags them from having any chance of being anything other than like one of the last two playing spots, realistically, unless they make some crazy trade or get crazy hot or somebody takes a crazy jump forward. So best case, we're probably, you know, probably playing for like the eight, nine, 10 seed at best uh, at this point. And realistically, it's probably nine or 10. So every time they win, I'm still excited because that's the team I root for. I want them to win, but also it would be better for them to lose and not make a playoff game and keep the lottery pick in a loaded draft. So I'm really wrestling with that conflict that might show up more here in the show. We'll see how uh, it goes. I've got my friend uh, Griffin Queen of the Give and Go podcast joining us here in the second half. We're going to do some holiday themed stuff, a naughty or nice list. Uh, maybe some eight nights of Hanukkah presents and, and eight people who deserve them. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of go through that and, and just kind of keep it fun and light closer to the holidays here. I just want to say before we get to that, happy holidays to all of you. I really appreciate, you know, this community we have together and, and the back and forths we have on Twitter and things like that. So it's just it's just fun to be a part of. When the Wizards are losing, I at least have that to look forward to. I still like doing the show. I hope you all still like listening. Uh, it's a little better after a win. <laughs> Got to be honest, I feel a little better coming in and doing this this morning after the Suns win. If it had been 11 straight, the tone of the show might be a little different. So, uh, you know, luckily we don't have to deal with that. But like I said, we're going to get to Griffin here in a minute. But first, I just want to give you a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. 
and is your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your welcome bonus of 50% with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, with that, let's get to my combo with Griffin. Okay, I'm pleased to be joined by Griffin Queen. Griffin, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the show, and I'm uh, glad to be here again. Yeah, we're uh, we're squeezing this in midday for you and uh, right before the holidays, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's always always a little harder to schedule these things this time of year, so thank you for making the time. Hopefully, of we course. won't be here too long, but we've got a decent amount of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I will say we're we're in the midst of my holiday. It's it's like That's the right. third Happy or Hanukkah. fourth day of I don't even know what day of Hanukkah is. I'm gonna completely tell on myself that fourth, I don't know right? what day it is. Yeah, I, I, think I think it's fourth. the fourth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm like the absolute Grinchiest Grinch you could think of. Like I actually had the Grinch theme music as my ringtone in high school. <laughs> like I just I don't, I don't get into any of them, uh, any of the above. So I'm like yeah, the worst I, person to talk to normally. But we, uh, I know we mentioned the last time I was on the show that I had my other podcast list night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will give you a sneak preview of what our topic yes. is either this week or next week. We did uh, things that we like the least about the holidays. Ooh, so okay. it's a very grinchy list that's going to be coming out. I can't wait uh, for anybody who hasn't checked that out. Give that a plug. I'll put it in the episode description here too. Thank you. Uh, it is just a good, good entertaining time. So I appreciate you guys um, putting out good content like that. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So things I do like about the holidays is uh, it's not super busy at work. So you can travel around a little bit. So my wife and I were just in LA. You live in LA. You are also a Lakers fan in addition to being a Wizards fan, which I don't blame you. You might as well adopt a team <laughs> with a bunch of championships to balance out what the Wizards do. It helps. Uh, it helps. I had never been to Staples slash crypto or the crypt or whatever we're calling crypt. it now. It was awesome. Uh, like it was it was surprisingly like lively for a Lakers Wizards game. Like I would think maybe the crowd's a little down on the Lakers that haven't, you know, achieved as much as maybe everybody would like. AD wasn't going to play. It's the Wizards. So who gets excited about that from opposing fans? <laughs> That place was rocking and it was yeah. like basically a playoff game. Uh, is it is it always like that? Like it was wild. It, it is for Lakers games. Yes. Sure. Uh, so I've been to two or three Lakers games there and I, a lot of my friends go to Lakers games. You know, I'm a little bit further out in the beach towns, sure. so it takes a little bit longer to get there. Um, but I've also been to Clippers games there. And let me tell you, nobody gives a shit about the Clippers in that arena. Yeah. Uh, I went to a... I went to the Western Conference Finals, I think it was, between the Suns and the Clippers there. Wow. Okay. And it wasn't even sold out. And it was like, it was like $60 tickets. Like it wasn't. And then I went to a Wizards Lakers game earlier this season there, or, or last season, or whatever it may have been. And it was for nosebleeds. I paid like $200 a ticket and yeah. the place was rocking. So, you know, good thing the Clippers are getting their own place soon. Which which is awesome. I got to take a yeah. tour of the office they have across the street where they have like replicas and layouts of what the new arena is going to look like. Right. That shit is going to be awesome. They're building this thing in there called the wall, which a lot of college teams have where one side mm-hmm. of the arena behind one basket is just like a cliff face. It's so steep and it'll yeah. just be, uh, you know, like there are no breaks, no sweets. It'll just be like one loud thing where like you're kind of hanging over opponent's heads. So I think that's going to be a cool spot. So hopefully yeah. they can sell it out. 
I've got to, I've got to give Balmer all the credit in the world. I mean, part of it is that he has more money than I think the rest of the right. owners combined. Yeah, but like if you can well. make the ideal stadium or arena, I think he's in the midst of doing that. So so good on him. I would encourage anybody in not this year or next year, but the year after, if you're in LA, check out a Clippers game at the new venue. Uh, they put a million dollar like Halo display in their office space just to show potential season ticket holders what the one over the court will look like so he just has fu money so yeah um, he's got stupid money i mean good good for him i guess uh the the arena was sort of probably only two-thirds full again it's a wizards game but i think like you said the clippers (laughs) are like that i will be very upfront my loyalty is very easy to buy uh the wizards (laughs) have done nothing to keep it and uh, the Clippers like maybe have stolen my loyalty away in like sure. one one day where we got hooked up with really cool seats. And I have like more Clippers gear now than I do Wizards gear. Just they were like, here, have all the swag ever. Uh, I might just change teams. I'll be honest with you. Like if, if they're good for a while and wall stays and stuff like that, like I might have a case to make for like at least I've got a West Coast team here. Genuinely, I cannot tell you not to change teams. <laughs> I can't tell. And I also specifically can't tell you not to change the Clippers. I personally, outside of the fact that John, there's a lot of players on that team outside of John Wall that I like as well. Sure. I can't, I physically can't root for the Clippers. I, I spent you. my entire life rooting against the Clippers. And a lot of those years were really good years where yeah. it was very easy to root against them. Um, as long as you're not picking like the Celtics or the Sixers or even the Heat. Sure. Go pick whatever team you want. You know, pick the Jazz, pick the Nuggets, pick the Mavericks. I don't care. But I, I like, understand wanting to move away from the Wizards because they are just crushing us, man. I just need something to be kind of invested in and yeah. attend it's, game losing it's, streak. It's it's, it's nice to have a winning team to watch when your other team is losing, yeah, which I'm okay. sure is how I stumbled onto the Lakers originally. And and you live there, like you can get away with that. Like if yeah. you were in like a minnesota or something and you're like i'm also a lakers fan it's like well minnesota would be the place to be to be like maybe maybe it's in the family to be a lakers fan that's a very good point it's inherited at that point uh that's a good call my old wi-fi name was mpls lake show because it was me and a a buddy from minnesota so we we like to rep our old lakers that's cool uh yeah anybody not familiar that's where the lake name came from land of a thousand lakes which not a single lake in los angeles and at least if they are they're man-made right like yeah there's, there's not much there uh, all right. So I've prefaced this a little bit for listeners already, but we're going to do just like the very corny holiday themed episode here because why not? So why not? Uh, we're going to do a naughty and nice list. So let's just start off with the nice ones and, and we can alternate back and forth and, until we kind of run out here. Um, I, I'm just going to throw this one out here first because it's like the easiest of all easy slam dunk ones. Sure. Jordan Goodwin has to be on the nice list. Like, not only is he just really good and maybe their most impactful guard on the team other than Beal, he makes no money, which is amazing to have (laughs) any value from a player that, like, we talk a little bit about how underwhelming the other, you know, forwards that they've drafted have been. Yeah, they didn't achieve what you'd want as a ninth pick, but they're also expensive because they're ninth pick and, and the production you're getting. Goodwin is like the one redeeming cheap guy on the roster at this point. So he was like sort of the obvious one for me. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he was not necessarily the first one on my list. I don't I didn't really, you know, give an order to it. But Goodwin, I will say absolutely on my list. Um, You know, if you were to just look at like his BB ref or something like that, his averages don't jump off the screen to you. He's playing super limited minutes. If you look at his per 36, it's it's honestly pretty good for a guard of his age, Mm -hmm. particularly one that's really not being given the opportunities that I think he 
he deserves. Um, He's not like a guy who's an all-star candidate or anything like that, but he is a steady, consistent, defensively talented point Mm -hmm. guard who doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. And I mean, unless you're getting a John Wall or a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook or something in in their primes, like that's what you want, especially Mm -hmm. if you've got the talent offensively that we have in, in, in Kuzma and Porzingis and Beal, like you want a point guard who gets the balls to the right guy at the right time, doesn't make a lot of mistakes and doesn't think that he's going to play hero ball the entire game. And we talk about like, well, the wizards need a starting point guard and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying like G league minutes are as hard as NBA minutes, but Goodwin played a shit ton of minutes last year for the go-go. And he would play like a 37 minute game every once in a while if they needed it. So like they could very easily scale him up here. And it was one of those things like in that Clippers game, they made a run with him on the court and then decided to go back to Monte. And then eventually they went with Monte and Goodwin for a while. And neither of those went particularly well, in, in my opinion. So it's like, I, eh. I think we might be telling on our naughty list a little bit yep. uh, with a, uh, with a player uh, previously mentioned. Yeah, and, let's you know, that. obviously we'll get that later, but yeah, Goodwin, you know, I hope they give him more minutes. I, I think he deserves minimum, you know, 26, 28 minutes a night. I think he should be playing close to starter minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, when Beal comes back, if they don't want him to close games, if they want to try something else, I understand you want to try some different different options. But you should be having him start because a steady presence to start the game is invaluable. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Who's, uh, who's on your list here? Uh, so the first guy that I had on my list, and he may have made yours or not, is uh, Kyle Kuzma. No, yep. no real surprise there. Uh, he's putting up career highs in points and assists. Obviously, that corresponds somewhat to his increase in usage. This is the most he's ever had the ball in his hands. This is the most he's ever been allowed to play make. Uh, there's also been an increase in turnovers, but you can kind of expect that as the usage goes up and the assists go up. Uh, and beyond all that, despite the fact that his usage went up, he's having one of his most efficient seasons of his career. He's not the most efficient guy in the NBA. I'm not going to pretend like he's an efficiency king, but generally there's a correlation between efficiency going down as usage goes up, and we're Mm -hmm. not seeing that with Kuzma. So I think that there is still additional uh, growth for him in in what he can do as a primary ball handler, and I like having a, a point forward. He, he literally could not dribble coming out of college. Yeah. And that first year with the Lakers, he was like a stationary only guy. So him doing this in a couple of years, like I don't see why it's not scalable. Like everybody acts like he's a finished product because he's 27 or whatever. But when you haven't played that role and you've added to your skill set, it's natural to think he could continue to get better at it, in my opinion. Yeah, he's five years in the league at this point, six years mm-hmm. in the league, and he's had four different roles on on different iterations of the Lakers and different iterations of the Wizards. There's still growth there. I'm not saying that he's going to become an MVP talent or anything like that. I don't I think that's outside of the question. But Kuzma still has room to grow and you know he's been one of the best presences on the team. And you know you see that in all these other teams that were so down on Kuzma for a number of years mm-hmm. that all these fan bases are now including him in all their trade discussions. Everybody wants to get Kyle Kuzma now. 
the whole time we were at the Lakers game, anybody that saw we had wizard stuff on was like, oh, I can't wait till we take Kuzma away from you. Like we want Kuzma back. And I was like, well, if you want to give us an unprotected first round pick, uh, we'll take it. Let me tell you how much I hate that because Kuz, and this happens with a lot of Lakers players, and part of it's the size of the fan base. Sure. Lakers fans tear their young talent apart if they don't. They don't if they don't come into the league as a prime Kobe Bryant. They they tear them apart. Then they go elsewhere. They become near all stars or all stars, like you see with like a Brandon Ingram. Yep, that's what I was thinking of. Exactly. And then they pretend like they felt that way the entire time, and and that's not true. Like. You were super down on this guy. A lot of you guys were sending death threats to this mm-hmm. guy. So let's calm it down a little bit and and stop with the I told you so's. He was also like the target of a lot of attention from LeBron James. And I know that they're still buddies and they're former teammates or whatever. But like before and after the game, LeBron was cheesing it up big time with Kuzma. And you can't tell me that there's not some amount of like recruiting there going on. Like, hey, oh, there absolutely know. is. Like I'm slowing down. AD's not shooting as well. Like you could have a much bigger role here. Let's just put it out there. Let's just put this out into the universe. Maybe LeBron's playing, planning on coming to the Wizards. Yeah, I'll because everybody it. knows if you're a goat uh, individual, you're going to come to the Wizards at some point. When we draft Brownie and he's well past his prime, <laughs> he will want to end his career in Washington D.C. Makes it just makes too much sense to me. I, I also just. I went a little more specific with uh, Kuzma. I have Kuzma's plums slash stones slash uh, cojones <laughs> on here because the guy just has like huge balls and and someone on the team like has to play like that. And yeah. you saw that in that Phoenix game last night. Like, yeah, he did some dumb shit occasionally. He had a really good game overall, but like he is not afraid to like call for the ball and take like a big three, hit that one in the corner to like basically ice the game for them. Uh, you need a guy on the team that's willing to do that at least. And, and he may lose you some games doing it, but I think he's been more clutch than not. In in particular, just in, in the past two years of Wizards basketball, there's a really uh, interesting like counterpoint to the way that Kyle Kuzma plays where you had Spencer Dinwiddie, who would be the primary ball handler for long periods. And I'm not trying to tear down Spencer Dinwiddie. I know everyone's done that enough. Sure. Uh, he'd have the ball in his hand for 18 to 20, 20 seconds. He'd throw a grenade to somebody at the end of the clock, and then it was their problem if they didn't make the shot. Kuzma will bring the ball down the court. He'll get rid of it. He'll give it to somebody. The ball will make it to him with a second and a half left on the shot clock, and he has no problem trying to make something happen. He's okay getting the grenade from another player because, like you said, the guy's got just huge cojones. And I don't think he's concerned about the shooting percentages and things like that. I think he's one of those guys where, like, players in the league value him more than people that look at just like pure analytics because they know like that's that's a skill set and not everybody can do that yeah absolutely all right the next one i have on here is gafford especially of late like i maybe would have put him on the naughty list for the first half of the year but he's just trended in the nice direction it seems like they've just like simplified stuff for him he's kind of slowed down and calmed down he's not not griping he's always like good energy I think like that's on like underrated for someone like Gafford. Like he was a starter here for a bit. They came in and replaced him basically with Porzingis and he didn't play well and he never moped and he's just like, I don't know, good vibe. So I appreciate Gafford and I still have a lot of Gafford stock. So I'm sort of trying to will this into existence that he'll be really good for the last three quarters of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good pick. I'm absolutely not out on Gafford and I do still have Gafford stock. I don't necessarily know if I have Wizards Gafford stock because <laughs> right, I think right. I don't think the issue is so much Gafford. And I think a lot of what you mentioned where now he's calmed down 
before he was rushing it a lot. He was trying to do too much. He was playing outside of himself. Mm-hmm. I think that's because, you know, to an extent, I think he saw himself losing minutes. Yeah. He was trying to do too much in the court to make up for that, where he was trying to like re-earn those minutes or prove that he should be out there. And I don't know that Wes Unseld necessarily knows how to use him mm-hmm. uh, or or the other players in the court necessarily knows know how to use him sometimes. That said, I think when he is playing well, he's absolutely an impact player. He's one of the more physically talented offensive and defensive centers we've ever had. Like the sky is not necessarily the limit for Gafford because there is polished to his game that he probably will never fully develop. Sure. But there's a lot more that we could be doing with him than we are just because the Wizards don't run schemes that really take advantage of him. And and I think he's he's better than he's shown this year. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that sort of segued into my next one here a little bit too. Where I just this is the only thing I'm going to give probably Wes Unsell Jr. much credit for on this podcast, but just being willing to go Gafford and Porzingis like actually changed that Clippers game for a good portion of it, uh, and I think that's been big for Gafford because they've talked. I think even Porzingis said it that when they're out there together, uh, there's less defensive responsibility for Gafford to kind of like clean up for the entire rest of the porous perimeter defense. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just simplifies things a lot for him too. So I will give like Wes some small amount of credit for like being willing to tinker and try different things. I think a good team with a dynamic guard would cook them with that lineup, but there are certain teams you can do that against and just, you know, go big, pivot, you know, do something different. Yeah, absolutely. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, who you got? Uh, next up for me, you just mentioned him, Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, I think when he's healthy, and he largely has been this year, but mm-hmm. I think it's not really arguable that he is our actual legitimate best player. You know, obviously Bradley Beal is making the greatest percentage of the cap. He's the franchise player. He's been here the longest. He's obviously also had his injuries this year. Uh, Porzingis is probably the best center that I can remember the Wizards having in my lifetime. Yeah, I, 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 I don't even know really who the argument would be for anybody else, but in terms of... Uh, his ability to just affect the game in every stage, whether it's in transition, whether it's under the rim, offensively, defensively. He seems like he's been an incredible teammate. You know, obviously things didn't necessarily work out with him and Luka Doncic in Dallas, but I was not crazy high on getting Porzingis when we got him. I was happy to get off the Bertans deal. I was happy to get rid of Dinwiddie. Uh, I thought Porzingis was probably going to be here for like a year before we moved him elsewhere. Now I'm thinking this could be our franchise guy if he stays healthy. Like maybe it makes more sense to trade him for for picks or something like that. But at the same time, like if he wants to be here and this is the level of play we're getting, we're getting an all-star level of play from him. I I've I've loved watching him in a in a Wizards uni. I'm literally in the exact same boat. And this is like my biggest thing I wrestle with right now. And maybe we'll just pause from our list and, and do this convo here since it's kind sure. of organic time to do it. Uh Porzingis is 
is is so interesting because he is a little matchup dependent, but he's like a huge floor raiser for this team specifically. Like you've got a lot of holes defensively on the perimeter. He cleans up for those things, but you know, he's only as like super effective against certain matchups, like perimeter or ornate bigs kill, like kill him basically. And then he crushes other drop coverage bigs, but isn't as good against the other. So like there's always going to be certain matchups where you're not going to be as effective with him out there and you can't really afford like a big dollar backup for those other matchups because he makes so much money so it's like could you find someone that does 80 percent of what porzingis does for a lot less money because there's just such a pay gap for centers like there's the guys that make like 14 million and then seems to jump to the guys that make like 35 million right uh i as much as i love porzingis a lot of that has been to do with what you just said with his health if he's supposedly like looking at um, a new deal in the either three for 90 or four for 120 range, that scares the shit out of me. Cause like right. he has been healthy. He's going to be, you know, in his early 30s by the end of that deal. Maybe the salary cap going up makes that friendlier, but four years of 30 million each for a guy that could get hurt. That's a deal that could age very poorly if this guy has like one more foot injury or something. Yeah, there's there's a point, and I know we always talk about this when we talk about the salary cap now, because you know we all saw what happened in 2016, where teams made a lot of weird deals, and the ones that were able to keep space open were able to take advantage of a massively expanded salary cap. Mm -hmm. There's a point where I think no matter how much it goes up, you still don't want to overpay a player that has matchup issues. That being said, if you're a top tier playoff team. And you can hide that person. Sure, whatever. Spend your money the way you want to spend it. If you're the Wizards, if you're the Bulls, if you're the Magic, if you're a team in, in that realm where even making the playoffs is a question sure. and you know shooting for an eight seed is probably your peak, there's, there's a lot of different uh, concerns that I would have about paying a guy that kind of money. You know, if he takes a team-friendly deal, even if it's only you know, three or $4 million off the top every single year that, that, that brings down his average annual value. Awesome. I would love to keep Porzingis. If he wants the closest thing to the max that we can give him, it's, it's time to start shopping him. And I hate saying that because I want to yeah. see good players Same. on this team that do, like you mentioned, raise the floor a lot, but the timelines might not make sense. And, and right now, I mean, we're looking at a team with Kuzma, who's not an all-star, but he's close to it. Beal, who went healthy, is an all-star. Porzingis, who went healthy, is an all-star. We've got those three players who are all 20-point-per-game scorers or more, and we can't win 15 games. Like, right. what? We can't, we can't even be talking about the floor or the ceiling of this team right now because we're in the basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I, I don't know. It, it's like the ultimate sort of swing thing, right? Like, it's... Could you trade Porzingis and Kuzma while their value may never be higher for assets to do like sort of the soft one-year rebuild that Portland has done? Mm -hmm. Like you get rid of McCollum, you kind of th like throw away that year, you add a lottery pick, and then you go out and you kind of flip some of those assets for Jeremy Grant or somebody who's like on the way up as opposed mm -hmm. to guys that have already maxed. I, I think I would be willing to try to do that if I were them, if you knew in advance, like Porzingis is going to want X amount of money or X amount of years. Like if it's three for three, three for 90 or something like that, like, all right, cool. Let's cut the check already. Like I'll do that. It's just, 
the extra years of that money, uh, or you can, maybe you can get a team option on the last year or something like that, as opposed to him having a player option, like just something that gives you the flexibility would be huge. I would feel a little bit differently about this if Bradley Beal didn't have a no trade clause, (laughs) but because he does. And so we can basically like discount him from trade conversations that don't include his name with like specific large market contenders. Right. I just, you have to work with the other assets that you have. Mm -hmm. And right now that's Porzingis and Kuzma, the two players that I want to stay on the team more than anybody. I know it's so hard. Personally reality. Yeah. They're the most, probably most likable guys to root for on the team but and they they give us a really fun really interesting style even outside of the off court like these are good guys that that kids will grow up being fans of they play a fun style of basketball that that you want to root for and and could get dc excited about basketball in a way that it hasn't been for a while but we're we're kind of hamstrung by previous deals that we've made what's the like Batman line, you know, like you live long enough to see uh, yourself become the villain or whatever. Like, I, yeah, I, I know you're not uh, a huge Batman yeah. guy, but um, sure, sure. Uh, uh, but but that's I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You, I can't believe that we're not able to quote this off the top of our heads because people use it on Twitter every single day. But I know exactly which one you mean. And everyone listening is going to know what you mean. I'm getting too old here, apparently, because uh, five <laughs> years ago, as well. I would have nailed that yeah. bad boy. But if, you either you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Maybe, yeah, something I, I think like that's one hundred percent it. So yeah. he makes Kuzma makes thirteen million dollars a year. We love him. Yeah, if he's doing exactly what he's doing now at thirty million dollars a year, how long Stress. before we get tired of that as a fan yes. base? So yeah, we'll if see. if Kuzma is making thirty million dollars a year and he has an eight turnover game, I'm tearing tearing out my remaining hair. Like I'm not <laughs> having a great night. Exactly. Somebody would smash a hole through their phone and or their yeah. TV. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next one I've got here is Beal's efficiency on offense. Okay. I, I, I just, you know, like we, we gave the dude such a hard time for like, yeah, he put up a ton of points on a shit team. Uh, we'd like to see him like rein the scoring in a little bit, be more efficient and be more of a playmaker. He's actually done that. Uh Granted, we're not having a ton of team success. And granted, he's still goofball and keeps getting COVID for like the 11th time and is always sort of banged up somehow. Can we just call it long COVID at this point? Like something is is deeply wrong with Bradley Beal's immune system. I, I just don't understand. Like they're, they're, you can't convince me that there's not something going on there that just like yeah. he either has COVID or some like week long non COVID illness that also still requires protocol, but nobody else in the NBA seems to go into protocols anymore. So yeah. I, I have no idea what's going on, but the offense has been fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, look, there was a point when, when you told me what we were planning on today where I had Beal on the naughty list. And then I realized that I was being unfair. He doesn't deserve to be on the naughty list. There's a lot of these losses that I absolutely can't pin on him. Obviously, you know, he's only played, I guess, 20 games or a little bit less than that. So he has missed games. Um, but that's going to happen, particularly if you're running around the court the way he has been the f- past few years. Uh, and if you have permanent long COVID, uh, I, I probably would not have put Beal's efficiency just considering the amount of games that he's missed. Sure. But yeah, I mean, he's he is essentially doing what what we wanted him to do. I, I wish he would change the late game situations a little bit. I'm sick of seeing him dribble off his foot. But is that his fault? Or the coaching. No, it's the co- it's point. absolutely the coaching's yeah. fault. Uh, I I don't know if he needs to like wear a different size shoe though. I mean, like there's something there that I've never seen a human being dribble off their foot more than Bradley Beal does. So there's something there. 
But yeah, you may never see that again is. either, unless yeah. you're watching like a Hoosiers marathon or something. Yeah, like just... yeah, yeah. So I, I started with him on the naughty list here too, because I was like, look, the guy turns it over late. He makes way too much money. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, he's the 23rd best player in the league or whatever it is, tw- somewhere in 18 through 25, depending on how healthy he is or whatever you want to, you know, qualify as, as, you know, those guys. But it's not his fault. We pay him like a top three guy mm-hmm. and it's, that's the front office, right? Like that's, that's his fault. If you're the coaching staff and you've seen a guy dribble off a shoe 14 times in a 20 game stretch at a certain point, maybe you don't run ISOs for Bradley Beal to close, to close every game when every team in the league knows you're going to do it. And anyone who's good defensively will just like literally take the ball right away from him. And if it was only 14 times in a 20 game stretch, I'd be like, you know what? Sample size, that could be the issue. Maybe he's having something weird going on this year. Probably three times as many as that. Realistically. And it's it's been like four years where he's been the quote unquote clutch guy at the end of games. And there there was a period there where he was hitting a couple game winners and he was taking things over a little bit. And I don't know if he's in his head. I don't know if it's because we're just running the most basic ISO situations for him. I think that's probably the biggest issue is that there's absolutely like everybody else just stands around and lets Beal do his thing. He gets double teamed or or he gets trapped in the corner, dribbles off his foot, whatever. But he, he's he's not Damian Lillard. And he uh, whether it's him or the coaching staff, they need to realize that he's not Damian Lillard. It has to happen. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I never need to see it ever again. Like He did hit a big like mid-range jumper from the elbow uh, like last night in the Phoenix game that was big for them late. But also they got up seven after making that little run and it never really, they never needed him to like break anybody down and score at the last minute of the game. So I don't know. Uh, all right. Anyone left on your nice list here? Uh, no, Kuzma, Goodwin, Porzingis. I mean, I'm sure there's other people I could think of. I'm not going to hate on the rest of the wizards roster. Uh, but honestly, I kind of want to hate on the rest of the wizards roster yeah. a little bit. There's a few that belong in that sort of neutral category, right? Like they're, they're kind of neither. Um, yeah. all right, I think I just called them the lizards. So that's how, that's how I feel. Because at this right. point, you know, They're you the, lose 10 straight. Uh, my wife and I love portmanteaus, which for anybody not familiar with portmanteau, combination words. So the loot, like the lesser end wizards are the lizards. Like, okay. All right. Yeah, there you know. go. Cool. There you well, go. Let's, let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> all right. The naughty list here. You want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Monte Morris on my yeah. naughty list. I think there's a fit for him around the league. Sure. I do. I, I think he's a good player. I, I think it's just not working in Washington. It's not working with Wes. I know Wes. And part of it is that Wes is giving him too many opportunities. And he, you know, partially through fault of his own, but partially not is, is squandering them. You know, he's putting up a career high in assists, mm-hmm. but low turnovers, low turnovers. And that's kind of like the limit on the good that I can say about him is, you know, the shooting's not good. The defense is atrocious. The rotations are really bad. Uh, his efficiency is down. And he's taking minutes away from guys that we mentioned earlier, like like Goodwin, where I would much rather be developing a guy like Goodwin who's young, hungry, and on a really, really cheap deal than continue to give minutes to a guy just because of his relationship with the coach or because of the idea that higher paid players should play more minutes. Like I, I'm just sick of that mentality. There are also just certain guys that are better suited to come off the bench. Like his shortcomings are not as big a deal against bench players or rotational players. Like yeah. uh, there's less guys that are going to take advantage of him being small and sort of under athletic for the position. And 
like, yeah, the assists are high and the turnovers are low, but it still just doesn't feel like he creates good looks for people. Like he's never like penetrating and kicking it back to somebody for a wide open thing. He, he can't attack the rim and create a lob for Gafford. Like it's just stuff that this team needs. He doesn't seem to be able to do. And, and maybe he'd be better off coming off the bench, but we'll just, we'll never know because they seem so reluctant to do that. Uh, and, and there are plenty of teams where they bring a really good player off the bench and, and maybe they could sell Barton on, or sorry, we'll get to Barton in a second. Uh, they could sell Monte on a roll like that, but yeah, yeah definitely has to be on this list. And I just, I just don't enjoy watching him play basketball. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. And honestly, I did enjoy watching him in Denver. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that team a lot. And the guy, the other guy you just mentioned, Will Barton really enjoyed him on other teams. Don't enjoy him on the wizards. Yeah. So like, let's do Barton then. I, I, this is a guy I desperately wanted to like, like I prefer Baltimore teams to Washington teams. Like that's where my allegiances are to have a Baltimore guy mm-hmm. on the Wizards is like best case scenario for me. And I just hate watching this dude play basketball at this point. Like he is a literal black hole. He used to play make for people. He used to play a little bit of defense. Like maybe he'd get a little shot happy or hunt too many shots, but he did enough other things and he shot at a better clip. So you got away with it. And now it's just like every time he shoots, I'm like this mother effort. Like again, I I just, I literally cringe. Uh, and I hate that I'm like that with him. Yeah. I will say, uh, I had high hopes when he came over here. I thought that, that it was going to work. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, nuggets fans in wizards mentions that were like, look, you're going to like this guy a lot for about three to four weeks. And he's mm-hmm. going to go through stretches where you're really going to enjoy watching him play. And then there's going to be a lot of games where he's taking shots away from your stars or he's losing your games or he's missing defensive rotations and you're going to hate it. You're going to mm-hmm. hate every second of it. And it's not going to last for, you know, three, four, five games. It's going to last for half a season. <laughs> and right now we're about a third of the way through the season and I hate it. Yeah. So I would like to move on from this experiment. I know we're not going to because the Wizards never move on in time, but I'd love for them to prove me wrong. Feature this dude if you need to, if he's even yeah. capable of being featured enough to up his own value at this point. Just do it and for a week and trade the salary and get him out of here for something. If he There have been a couple games and the same thing for Monty Morris where they've looked like good players. And I'm like, literally, when this trade game, like when, when, yeah. it, when it goes down to zero yeah. and they're back in the locker room, be like, what team do you want to go to? Exactly. We'll make it happen. We will make it happen. You cut that game clip and you should have, you shoot it to every other GM in the league. You're like, eh, yeah. could you use some of this? Could you use him? I, Clippers, John Wall is not working out that great for you. Do you want every bad player that we have? We'll give Swap. them to you. Uh, totally agree. Uh, and, and that's that's probably my own fault for having high expectations. I should know better. As was we honestly shouldn't. At this point, our expectations should be not even middling. We should be Just expecting like a thirty-three win team, yeah. and anything above that would be sick. Uh, honestly, uh, yeah. I mean that that seems to be where they've set the bar. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one is sort of like a sub category here, but just Porzingis is three-point shooting slash kind of shot selection in general. I get that he's like not going to ever do like dream shakes and get the up and unders and, uh, you know, like throw like baby hooks up there or something. But if you've got BJ Boston or Terrence Mann covering you, you have to be able to do something other than shoot threes or like 17 foot turnarounds. Like they physically can't jump high enough to block you anyway. So just stand there and just shoot over them, like face up yeah. and, and stay faced up if you have to. But 
like we can't get him a little closer to the paint for like a 10 foot something as opposed to a 17 footer it it drives me absolutely bananas sometimes there's a point where i think a lot of like tall rangy uh quote unquote three point like stretch centers try and model their game after um what's his name from dallas uh dirk dirk uh, yeah. dirk Nowitzki. And I feel like they're modeling their game after 38-year-old broken-ass foot (laughs) instead of like 28-year-old yam it on everybody Mm -hmm. and drive through the lane and just like be an athletic seven-foot man. I I wish they would go back and watch his old game tape. And I know they have. I know a lot of these guys grew up watching this guy, but I think they just they lost in their heads at some point that like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play from 24 feet out because that's what, you know, a stretch stretch big does. Porzingis could absolutely be be driving more. He could be facing up more. He could be catching the ball in the low post more. Like there's things that he can do to take advantage of his talents uh, that are not three point shooting. I think prior to the Suns game, I, and I don't remember what he shot in the Suns game. I think he was shooting nine percent from three in the month of December. Yeah, which I think it's if in it's the December right now. Yeah. yeah, if it's December fourth, sure, whatever. Small sample size. It's the twenty first. Yeah, the month's over. So the month's done. There's not that many games left. Stop shooting threes, dude. It should be like, I know not everyone just has this skill set, but it, it should be like a closer like sample size in like for, for post-ups to like what Brooke Lopez does. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he shoots a ton of threes, but he also shoots everything else within like six feet of the rim. And he's got little jump hooks and shit like that. Like, you can't tell me that Porzingis that has that much touch at that much size couldn't like throw up, throw up like a little baby hook over somebody or something. And I know he's skinny and maybe there's a leverage thing and he doesn't have sure. the strength to, to bulldoze guys, but we could be doing something a little closer um, to playing to his size, I think, against like teams that literally put shooting guards on him. I mean, there was the same argument for a number of years, particularly post-bubble when he dealt with his injuries for Anthony yeah. Davis. As Anthony mm-hmm. Davis was trying to stretch a little bit too much. And when he came in the league, you know, compared to a lot of guys, he was an average or above average three-point shooter for his position. He's not a good three-point shooter. Like, he can do it, but he's not very good at it. This year, you know, he was having, prior to his injury, a bit of an MVP campaign. And he had almost completely cut the three-point shooting out of his diet. And he looked all the better for it. Because he wasn't wasn't wasting possessions. And so he also didn't have to double back on defense twice as fast. I think, like, Porzingis will turn it around. Like, I don't think he's a 14% three-point shooter or 19% or whatever he's up to right now for the month. But, like... I think if you can do more things offensively, there's more defense has to scout than, oh, he's just going to pull up. So like if he can show them, he can punish them around the rim a little bit more. Now, when he's on the three point line, you have other things you have to think about. Maybe he can pump fake and, you know, get to the rim or whatever. I don't know. But uh, I I mean, it's kind of the same perspective I had on Westbrook for years where not that they're similar players, but like take a couple threes, you know, try and try and make one or two. Take three if you want. Mm-hmm. Do not be having eight, nine, ten three-point attempt games, even if you're shooting them well, because that's not your game. It's not what you're going to continue to be good at. It. You are going to regress to the mean, and that means that you're going to be missing way more than you're making. Or if you have a night where you've got a matchup that allows you to do that and you're feeling yeah. it. Yeah, if you're hot your like content. he was a week or two ago, by all means, let it fly. But, you know, if it's right now, bury it for a week and just see where we're at. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I would go. All right. Uh who you got next? Uh, next is a guy that I know you're not the biggest fan of his on-court play, uh, but I think you're a fan of him off-court. Anthony Gill. Uh, yeah, great dude. Like a really nice, nice All man. I hear is that he's yeah. the greatest dude. And we, I know we talked about him last time I was on this pod, and I think I had higher hopes for him at the time. 
Anthony Gill's not not good at no. what I mean, like maybe he'd be good in a limited role for a different team, but it's not working out for the great, Wizards. Great tenth man. Yeah. Yeah, they're overutilizing him. Um, I think they treat him like he's their sixth or seventh best player when he should be, you know, their 10th, 11th, or 12th best player. And so that's not necessarily his fault in any way, sure. but he needs to see the court less. Yeah, I agree. He, he the, the defense isn't there. The offense isn't there. The ball handling's not there. Um, he'll have like two good plays in a row and I'll be like, oh my God, Anthony Gill night. And then right. he'll turn it over or he'll miss a rotation. And then it'll just be four minutes of why is this dude on the court? Or he'll have a wide open look for a three that someone's finally created for him. And he'll sure. just stand there and look around and figure out who to dribble handoff to. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're going to be in these moments and you're going to get an open look, you got to take him. He especially kills me because I just keep thinking that he looks so bad out there. There's no way we shouldn't just like let Todd play a few minutes. I don't like, get it. If you're Isaiah Todd, I would be like, what the shit? Because everyone looks at the go-go statistics and they're like, oh, he's not dominating the go-go. But like the stuff they ask him to do, I think he could reasonably come in here and do. He's 6'10". He's more athletic than Gil. He's a lot more mobile. He can actually run the floor and dunk on people. And the shooting is streaky, but I, I have more confidence in him taking a wide open three at this point than I have for Gil. Last I looked, Gil was in like the teens for three point percentage for the season. I don't know what he's up to now, but I promise you it's not like a good percentage. It's not good. So, I mean, like, like really. And Isaiah Todd has has room for growth. I mean, like you would want him, exactly. I, I would think, to be getting NBA minutes, particularly in what's looking like another lost season yeah. where you're developing this guy, whether you're going to play him the next year or you're going to turn him into a trade asset. Find and out that's one now. of the things yeah. that, that the Wizards always struggle with is you keep playing these veterans who the, the tape is already out on for the rest right. of the league. They know what these guys' value is. So yep. why are you not developing the young guys to then either flip them or build a new core? I, I just don't understand the mentality for how they build these teams. It makes literally no sense to not try him a couple minutes here or there. Like that. That's all. Just figure out if he's a guy you even want to keep around for next year or you can throw him in as filler on a deal or something like that. Maybe somebody would consider him the equivalent of a second round pick asset wise. If you had enough tape to show them that he could actually contribute somewhat and maybe he just needs more opportunity somewhere else. But you can't even do that if you're like, well, no, Gil, Gil has to play 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gil's, Gil's the guy that we're going to fucking make the entire team work around. Excuse my language. No, it just, that's, that will always frustrate me. And you know what? He may be shit. He may be a total dick on the court, off the court, and they don't want him to ever reward him with minutes. But if that's the case, now you know that. And just just cut him. I don't give yeah. a shit. Like give, Get rid of him. Give give that contract a good one. Something. Yeah. Uh, there, there are other options. Uh, they just seem like they never take them. It, it's, it's, you know, they make up their minds on how they're going to treat certain players and they hold Pat for that for 82 games. And you don't have to treat it that way. Like the Heat don't do that. The Mavericks during their best years don't do that. The Spurs don't do that. The Warriors don't do that. All these teams that are renowned for their player development, do not do that. So wh why do you not take any of the lessons that those teams give you? And they've been so reluctant to do it with anyone that's not like a top 10 pick, essentially. Like Rui and Denny started day one, you know, Corey played by the second half of the year. Everyone else, they don't even give minutes to, to like really evaluate them. They only are playing Goodwin because everyone else got hurt and they had to essentially. Like they dumb lucked their way into like, oh, this guy's good. Uh, but anyway, um, all right. The next one I have here is the medical staff. Like you've got Rui and people like this with like a career full of just like weird injuries. And maybe that's not their fault, but 
first he has a rolled ankle and then it's all of a sudden, well, it's not getting better. So we finally did some x-rays and he's got bone bruising and stuff. It's like, okay, like, wait, the guy couldn't walk on uh, like a rolled ankle for two weeks. And then we decided to do MRI or whatever it was. And now it's like, oh, he's out with a bone bruise, but the guy's warming up before every game. And then like Beal's always sick. Like we can't get him like emergency or some vitamin C or something <laughs> like to just help the guy. Give him an ibuprofen. Like yeah, I honestly like, don't know what's wrong with the guy. Come on, man. Like just at a certain point, like you rub some icy hot on this thing and like get your ass back out there. Like yeah. I'm not suggesting anybody play injured, sure. but sometimes in the league you got to play hurt. And it just seems like, I don't know, we have like a lot of these sort of weird, bizarro injuries. Like DeLon Wright's like quad or whatever it is, is still a thing. I just, that that seems to be also lingering. We have the weird, bizarro injuries that teams put on their injury reports when they're resting guys, when they're winning 55 games and they want to give their stars some rest. We're winning, you know, 25 games and we have the same stuff on our injury report. Whereas every other team in our position is trying to get every single win they possibly can. I'm not there's a lot of medical staffs around the NBA that I think have their issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see this a lot if you go to like the NBA subreddit or just if you spend a lot of time on NBA Twitter, you're going to see that there's a lot of these uh, staffs that are. I, I don't know if they're they're paying too much attention to too many different professional teams, if they're also working with college athletes, if it's mm-hmm. it's like a side job. I, I I don't know. I don't know enough about them. The Wizards have been bad at it for a long time. I don't know who used to be on the Suns medical staff during the Steve Nash years, but go hire those guys because they were incredible. Yeah, Yeah. get every single one of them. A hundred percent. And it just seems like one of those things where the Wizards have been like late to invest in things that other teams do. Like give Abe Poland a lot of credit. He was the one by all accounts that made it so like guys didn't have to share rooms on the road. That was Mm -hmm. like the last progressive thing that this organization ever did. Like... I don't know, like our locker room was the last to be upgraded. Our medical staff was the last to be upgraded. We're the last to have like full-time trainers on staff. We're the last to have an analytics department. We're the last to have a practice facility. Like just at some point, be ahead of the curve. I I don't know. It's a thing with DC teams. At the time, Washington Redskins were the last team to integrate. So they've clearly uh, influenced the shape of the entire town, which is bizarre considering the demographics of the town. And I, I think some of this is on the players too. Like I, I know like you've got Kawhi over there in, in LA on the minutes cap and stuff like that, but that's a thing they've all pre-agreed upon. Like I, I know there's no real relationship here, but like I just literally like sliced my toe in half. And my first question to a doctor after getting it like stitched up was, Hey, uh, when will I be able to play basketball again? Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, I get it's their livelihood and they don't want to rush anything, but sure. it sounds like a bone bruise is probably not something you're going to die from. And if you can warm up for a half an hour before the game, you could probably play 12 minutes. So like just stuff like that, like maybe we're being a little too overly cautious or maybe we're not pushing them to play through a little bit here. Like, I, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like at some point, some of these guys have to want to be on the court a little bit more. And, and as long as it's not something that's going to like cause you an issue longer term, like, you might have to suck it up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a self-propagating thing where, you know, these guys get hurt early in the season when we're doing kind of well. And then we start losing games. And then rather than rushing them back so that we can win games, we let them sit out for a little while. And then we've lost so many games that there's like no value in them coming back. So then they end up having these long-term injuries. And it's like, 
I'm not going to watch anybody's pockets or anything like that, but we have these guys that are on these team on this team. And it's a, it's a problem throughout the NBA sure. where you're on a team for two to four years and you only play half the games that you could potentially play in for relatively minor injuries. I mean, Kendrick Nunn on the Lakers last year, I don't know if he played a game and it was, <laughs> it, it was reported as like a, a, an ankle sprain at first and then it turned into a bone bruise. And it, last year, as far as I remember, it was like an 82 game season. It might have been, it might have been a short right, one. Yeah. I don't recall. Yeah. I think it was right. 82. Yeah. That's a really long time to be out with a bone bruise. So either they're misreporting what the injury is, or you're not being on these guys enough about the fact that they have signed a contract and they need to play the game of basketball. And this is something that I give Denny Empty a ton of credit for, which I know people have somehow taken the approach that I never give Denny credit for anything. But as I've said <laughs> routinely on the show, that's a big Twitter take. I Twitter to, loves to get after you about that. Yeah, it's crazy. But he he plays the dude yeah. like rarely ever misses a game. And if he does, it's like um, Denny Avdia suffered from a broken leg today. So he's going to be a game time decision. <laughs> right, like, right. Uh, he's going to spit on it and tape it up and he's going to get out there. And there there are guys like that. There are yeah. Ironman players that, you know, a guy who's let's, let's talk about like DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan was, he had a few years where he was a really good starting center. And a lot of that was because of Chris Paul, right? Sure. He had a lot more years where he was not very good. Yep. But DeAndre Jordan played every single game for like eight years straight. Yeah. And you got to give him his credit for putting himself mm-hmm. out there every single night and banging down low with the strongest guys on the court, because most guys aren't going to do that anymore. And it's, you know, availability is a legitimate skill. And it's it's one that we should, you know, commend a little bit. That's why I gave Gortat all the credit in the world. Yep. And I, I wrote another, this thing, another Iron Man. Exactly. I wrote this thing, I guess, two years ago now about Gortat being the second best player that John Wall played with in Washington. And I got like torn to shreds for that because of how they had a beef at the end. But it's like he played every single night and gave you 10 and 10. And that that's valuable. Like just knowing you will get 10 and 10 from him 82 times is more valuable than I'll get 12 and 12 from a guy 70 times. Or, or you know what I mean? Like just extrapolating over the course of the year. I don't know if there's a player that John ever played with that he had better chemistry with. I was actually looking up Gortat's numbers earlier today for something entirely unrelated. And there was a year, I think 2016, 2017, when we had a really good year where he had 41 double doubles. Mm -hmm. And I think he was like eighth in the league in double doubles. Not that double doubles are like a hugely important stat, but like you mentioned, the consistency of a starting center to know that every single night, you know, he's going to get an early bucket. He's going to give you 10 to 12 a night and he's going to get 10 for like very physical rebounds because he was getting difficult rebounds. Yeah. And he's going to set screens for you the entire game. That's that's inv- invaluable for a guard. I, yeah, hundred percent. So I, I think that's that's big for somebody like Denny, given just sort of where the rest of the team is. All right, uh, who else you got on the list here, Griffin? Uh, so the other person I have on my naughty list, uh, this one probably shouldn't be a surprise to you, is Wes Ansel Jr. Yep. I, I hate saying this. it. I really mm-hmm. truly wanted this to go differently. Uh, but as it stands right now, I, I think he's just assistant coach material. I, I don't know if head coaching is is his bag. I, I'm yeah, I'm in the same exact boat. Like some guys are just better as assistant coaches, and that just yeah. might be the case here. Uh, yeah, the, and you know, I, I mean, maybe the players like him, maybe the ownership likes him, maybe the front office likes him. Um, obviously, all the respect in the world to his dad, and and the Nuggets clearly loved him. Yeah. Jokic clearly loved him, but he was mm-hmm. an assistant coach. He was a player development coach. Maybe that's just where he would thrive. I don't know. Uh, I know it's the Wizards hate 
getting rid of coaches midway through because they don't like paying two contracts at once. So I imagine we're with him for a while. You might have to just find guys to compliment whatever he doesn't bring at this point. Sure. Like we, we as a, a fan base have some thoughts on what he doesn't do particularly well. So I would imagine the front office does, and maybe you surround him with people on his staff that, that sort of make up for that. Like I thought the James Posey hire would be much more influential and he's like the ninth coach down the bench. Uh, and he seems to be involved in practices and stuff like that, but doesn't really, he's never in the huddle really doing anything like mm-hmm. have some former player that's influential and is more the, like the rah, rah, get you hyped up guy. Like being right next to this huddle the other day for this Clippers game, like Wes is like very calm and cool and understated. And I definitely think there's value to that. But when your team has sort of like choked, basically, you know, like leads and and things like that, or started really slow, like somebody's got to find a way to motivate those people. And it just doesn't seem like he's the guy to do that, at least by himself. I do think uh, the Wizards are one of the teams that would benefit from a younger former player. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't know, you know, if it's Sam Cassell or something like that. There's a lot of time that I wanted Sam Cassell to be the guy. At this point, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. Right. But I, I think they need somebody that they can relate to more and who is going to jump down their throats a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Udoka last year with the Celtics, yeah. who turned them into a better team than they seemed like they were willing to be. Accountability would be big. You know, yeah. and he's right, which is something accounts. that the Wizards have always struggled with. Yep. And sometimes a perennial assistant doesn't feel comfortable doing that yet. He might grow into all this stuff. It's just, it's just sort of not there at this point. As uh, long as we don't get Thibodeau or something who's just going to like drive us into the ground, then I would like it. I would like a change. It'd be great for the first season and a half. Uh, but until Bradley Beal literally broke. implodes on the court. Exactly. Uh, all right. The last one I just sort of have here is just like the front office in general. You're 12 and 20. You're four games back from eighth place. And they're going to like champion the fact that they beat the Suns, who are made an NBA finals as like, see, when we have most of our guys back, we can beat anyone in the league. And that'll be their excuse to like double down. And and I will almost bet money that they're more buyer than seller at the deadline when everyone in the world thinks they should be sellers at the deadline. Like that Bill Simmons just did a podcast today about like, this is the team in the league that should most be looking to sell everything off they can at the deadline. And, and Bill Simmons has some terrible takes, but that's probably not one of them. And uh, this, this group will not do that. They'll commit to, you know, Hey, we can make a run at the playoffs here because that one playoff series worth of playoff revenue is worth it to Ted, I guess. We've had multiple years in a row where, Everybody on Wizards Twitter, myself included, has said we need to tear this down. And, you know, obviously, Ted doesn't want to tank. The front office doesn't want to tank. I'm not even suggesting tanking. I'm just suggesting flipping assets, getting young guys, getting picks. Take a year off of trying to be an eight seed to uh, not even an eight seed anymore, trying to be a 10 seed so you make the play in. Take one year off from that. Try and get a high pick. Like that's, that's the model. Build a franchise around a young guy instead of constantly just slotting people in who are pushing 30 or or in their 30s already. I know they thought Bradley Beal was going to be the guy. I'm sorry. He's not. We need to at some point cut bait and make a different plan because this isn't working. Yeah, I, I just I I don't think we'll see it, which is really depressing here. Uh, all right, but let's... every and everyone around the league recognizes it. Every mm-hmm. other fan base recognizes it. All the journalists recognize it. The front offices clearly recognize it. And I think to an extent, the Wizards front office probably recognizes it. They just refuse to 
I guess, admit defeat on this, or ref- I don't know if it's a mandate from Ted. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. They're, they're like largely not even a laughing stock because they're so irrelevant that most people don't want to talk about them enough to laugh, which is like the worst thing you can be in sports. Top 10 uh, media market in the country. And nobody even talks about their basketball team. It's, it's amazing. Uh, anyone else on your naughty list? Uh, nobody else on my naughty list. I mean, we could talk about most of the players on the team. All right, let's um let's yeah. rapid fire into uh, some Hanukkah presents here then. Sure, and let's we'll do just, it. Uh, we'll fire these off. No super involved discussion, but we'll we'll, we'll just power through here. All right, who's okay. the first one on your list? Uh, the first people that I'd give a gift to, first person people, whatever, is the Wizards fan base. I would give them a gift of League Pass so mm. that they can watch other teams and stop overvaluing all of our players and stop convincing themselves that we have the quote unquote talent to be a contender because we do not. That's such a good answer. That's why Griffin hosts List Night. Again, plug for the podcast because uh, he's going <laughs> to kill this list game. And I'm now intimidated that I, I propose this. Uh, Corey Kispert, arc for your jump shot. Like, okay. Watching Russell Westbrook swat him into like the eighth row because he <laughs> shoots four feet in front of his face at his yeah. like shoulder height uh, is, is the reason he cannot be scalable enough to take like 10 more threes a game. Right. If you're a seven footer and you've got a flat jump shot, whatever. If you're six, six, you got to figure that shit out. Yeah, exactly. All right. Who you got? All right. Uh, Next up for me, Danny Avdia. I'd like to give him a guide on how to finish with both hands. (laughs) Okay. Because I am sick of this shit. Yeah. Go both ways, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, Just, just offensive firepower in general for our guy, Denny. Yeah. Like, like, you know, a little shooting, a little bit of a layup package, a little bit better dribbling under the basket. Like all those things are great. But first off, I need him to be like slightly ambidextrous, just a little bit, just a tiny little bit. He threw down that really nice righty dunk uh, last night, alpha pass from Brad. I want to say like he can finish strong with the right, but I think he overthinks it. Maybe smaller hands or something that he can he dunk lefty. I don't know that I've ever actually seen a left-handed shot from him uh, in in any one of these situations. Uh, all right, for Rui Hachimura, I've got bubble wrap. I mean, just just at some point, guy, like we we just gotta protect you because you are clearly made out of fiberglass or something. Coincidentally, also a gift for Rui Hachimura, a trade to another fan base or yeah. team. And I, I noted specifically the Spurs because I think that they would be able to give us a pick and uh, actually develop him into a, a, a good player. He's a, he's a good player, but into a legitimate winning player. I he would say. somehow thrive there in a role yeah. like that. They would As, make as many people do. Yeah, him doing 3 and D with a little bit of ball handling on the Spurs. They're back up to a 50-win team in three years. Uh, next I've got Wes Unsell Jr. I would get him modern coaching for dummies. It's just one of those things where like double teaming the opponent's best player has not worked out for us yet. And no other teams do this in the professional ranks. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe just bury that one for a while. Got it. Love it. Uh, yeah, those are my three, but I just thought of one, uh, for everybody on wizards, Twitter, uh, a time machine back to the 2016, 2017 season must be nice. Because my God, what a time that was. And we thought the sky was the limit and it was not (laughs) the ceiling as, as Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling was in fact the limit. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, just, just thinking about like, even like those being the high points for our franchise over the last like 20 years is 49 wins. (laughs) Uh, Last one I got Johnny Davis, just some confidence, like just like a little bit. You look, you can't look scared at this point. Like you're not looking scared in the G league. So like, just pretend the NBA guys are the same. Just catch it and shoot it. I don't give a shit. If you miss every shot, let it fly. Who cares? 
Who's the which, which is the Wizard of Oz character that needs is it the, is it the lion? Yeah, yeah, he needs Our to watch lion. the Wizard of Oz like a lot. Yeah, that <laughs> like, would just be nice. watch it. Go Wiz is it the uh, not the Wiz? Uh, uh, not the Wiz. That'd be awesome. Uh, Wicked is in DC right now at the Kennedy Center. He should Ooh. go see it. Maybe that, that would, would inspire him a little bit. Team field trip, a little team building action. Uh, I would love that for them. Get a little, get a little culture. We could get uh, what's the the Tin Man? We could get Rui some oil for, yeah. for all his creaky joints. Um, we could get Wes Unsell a brain. <laughs> Sorry, Boom. Wes. If Boom. I don't think you're listening to this one, but you seem like a swell guy. Yeah. I apologize. By all accounts, another gentleman. Uh, yeah. But that that seems to be the problem. All right. Uh, last thing we're gonna do here, real quick, just sort of worst takes from wizards twitter over the last week or so sure. i've got three of them for you here and then we can just vote on which one is the worst of the three okay okay so the first one is it's the media's fault that the team is struggling uh <laughs> because the local media is apparently so negative that it's convinced fans to li- that they've convinced fans to listen to them about how bad the team actually is and then the front office apparently listens to the fans and that's apparently why the roster turns over so much every year and we've got a ton of talent, apparently. Um, that, that's what I've been told, at the very least. So uh, I know you saw this one in real time. So uh-huh. uh, And you had a very um, civil discourse, which I appreciated because I had to just tag out at a certain point. Uh, very, very terrible take. Any initial thoughts on that one? Strong contender for the worst take. Uh, I don't Maybe know ever. what the other two are, but it's a strong contender from the jump. Yeah, it's it just... It's so wrong in sort of every approach. Uh, one, media has no influence over this team whatsoever. Uh, local media here is nicer to this team than pretty much every other fan base. If you just saw, sure. you know, what's going on in... Um, go go spend one week in New York and listen to their radio shows and their right. podcasts and read right. what they put in, in their papers. And you will never say a bad word about DC media ever again. DC media is kid gloves at all times. Yeah, the franchise absolutely. player showed up on media day with his agent and wife on the zoom call and tried to denounce vaccines. And it was a like gone as a story to it. It was later. in the news for the weekend. Yeah. Like that was it. And then we all kind of just moved on because it was just so wizards. And the fact that you think the front office actually listens to the fans here is hilarious yeah. to me because well, that has never happened. Um, all right. Next one. I saw uh, several if the Wizards don't rebound from this 10-game losing uh, skid, Wes Unsell Jr. will be fired. And that's a terrible take because he'll probably die the coach of this team at this rate because <laughs> that's just how this team rolls. Yeah, no, they're definitely not going to fire him. I, I I, mean, I think we could lose half the games in a season in a row. Yeah. And they would talk about how there's still a plan and how they trust their guy mm-hmm. and how he's building a culture in the locker room and blah, blah, fucking blah. And, COVID, you know, all somehow, those things might be true, warming. but, yeah. but they're, they don't matter. They don't matter. Yeah. What matters is, is winning. This is professional sports. Mm-hmm. And if you're not winning or putting out a, an entertaining product, which unfortunately they're not an entertaining product either. What are you doing? Yep. They're and not the going to fire him. The last one, the Wizards should run more of their offense through Denny Avdia because he hit two of three threes in the Lakers game. It's just it's just such a bad take. Like for anyone who actually objectively tried to watch that Lakers game, and, I, and I'm really not trying to pour like pile on Denny Avdia at this point. Sure. But LeBron literally sat and had like a defensive three seconds for the entire game while guarding Denny because he he didn't even he was daring him to shoot, and Denny wouldn't even do it at a high enough volume to hurt them. There's a reason yeah. that teams are putting centers on him. Now the the Wizards' entire offense has to play four on five. He has been 
like borderline elite defensively. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to say he's been elite, I won't really argue with you. Takes but, the hardest matchup every single night against guys who have been in the league way longer than him, and yeah. he does well. And I don't, I don't even care about the foul, like the fouling stuff. Like it's scalable yeah. for the most part. Like he had the stupid one against the Suns, so be it. He had a great game otherwise, but he's bad offensively. There's a mm-hmm. reason reason that the team is largely better with him off the court, and, and there's a reason he got benched at some point during that Lakers game in favor of the two big lineup. It's just, or sorry, did he get benched in the Clippers Clippers game? Sorry, uh, it's just. It's one of those things where like, it's fine. It's fine to just say he's great defensively. He's not very good offensively. If he just learns to shoot, he'll unlock a lot of things about his game. And maybe you believe in the shooting. So be it. I think he could probably be a mid 30s three point shooter. And that changes a lot for them. It's will he be able to do it at enough volume that teams actually have to respect it. So him going two for three one night is not your opportunity to pick like a victory lap on C. C, he needs so many more touches. He literally turned down 10 more wide open ones because he did not know what to do when someone turned their back to him from 10 feet away. Yeah, this is to me, this is a little bit of a culmination of a take that people have been making since he got drafted to the Wizards. Um, And we all do this with players that we like or players that we have high hopes for. But when he got drafted to the Wizards, all these people said that he was going to play point forward for us and he was going to show off his distribution abilities. He's going to finish inside. He was going to shoot. He was going to show, quote unquote, everything that he did as a Euro League MVP. He was an Israeli League MVP. Right. Totally different. He's not a Euro League MVP. He's not Luka Doncic. He's not. um, They're different people, in fact. they, They are different people with very different skill sets. I'm very tired of people saying that he was a Euro League MVP. Yeah. Not to diminish the Israeli League, but it is not the same thing. He was also not particularly productive in Euroleague games. Just he was not. No, he 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 wasn't. And that, again, that's not a knock on him. He was a young sure. guy. Tough and, league. And, yeah. You know the expectation. People people like to pretend when it helps their argument that the Euroleague is really awful, and then when it hurts their argument that it's really really great. Denny is not that guy. He may be at some point. There are still a lot of fundamental aspects of his game that need work. But yeah, running running through him when you have either Bradley Beal or Porzingis or Kuzma or even Goodwin as potential guys that are going to be the primary ball handler, Denny should be like your sixth option. It's the cherry picking of like a one game sample size. You never hear those people on a game where he's like a total dumpster fire, but he goes two for three and suddenly I've attacked this poor young man. First of all, he's an adult man. He doesn't need you to defend him. Uh, He's a tough dude. I can guarantee you he doesn't give a shit what some guy on a podcast says about his offensive skill set. By the way, always when I mention Denny, I talk about how good I think he is defensively. So it's just, it's just exhausting. It's just, and I like having him on the team. You know, I I think, you know, maybe there's an option where we trade him for assets that fit a different timeline because I think another team could develop him better than we could. But even part of that is kind of like with Rui. I want these guys that are talented to be on other teams because I know what we do to talented young players. We do not let them flourish. They do not become who they should because we're bad at development. And Danny has the potential to be a very good player. 100%. He currently is not a very good player. Exactly. That, that's exactly it. He, he is 21, as all of them like yeah. to point out. Uh, what he does now doesn't preclude, you know, it doesn't preclude him from being, uh, I don't know, considerably better three years down the road. It just, it just means that he has holes right now. And I can promise you he's working pretty hard uh, to fix those things. I don't know if they work the most intelligently with him on sort of the stuff he needs to get better at, but it's just, it just, it is what it is for right now. Uh, it's, it, you don't have to take this personal burden on Denny fans of defending him because someone said 
he's bad on offense because guess what? I'm I'm sure Denny's doing fine. The the team benched him for a reason in certain games because he was yeah. a sieve defensive or sieve offensively. Oh, excuse me. And if you're that good defensively and the team thinks they can't win with you on the court, it says what they think of your offense. And by the way, I might just be some schmuck on a podcast. I know enough people around the league with different teams that are actually in the know on these things. And and they all feel the same way about Denny offensively. And it doesn't mean that he can't do it. He just hasn't done it consistently yet. The end. And to all those people, as we've already mentioned, we want to see Denny develop. Yeah, right. it's, it's not a knock on Denny yeah. to say he's not there yet. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he's never going to be a good player. I mean, look at so many young players in league history that were not ready for these expectations yet. And you're doing them, not you specifically, but sure. somebody on Twitter who has this take, you're doing them a disservice if you think that they're ready for this level of play because it's going to break them. Because they're not going to be ready for it. They're going to look bad. People are going to be way crueler to them on social media and at games. And it's going to crush them mentally. And they're going to ask for a trade. And then you've lost another player. It's sort of the Westbrook thing to a lesser degree for now, at least. But the fan base was so obnoxious in defense of him that it made the other half of people double down on like their onslaught of how much they disliked certain things he did. Like there will be a point where uh, the defense of Denny as if he should be a future like MVP candidate is so annoying to everyone that you'll have people actively rooting against him, I think. And, yeah, and, and there's true. absolutely a middle ground there. Right. You know, there's a balance take. Yeah. He has his skills. He has his drawbacks, but yeah. he is absolutely not ready to have the game run through him. And and again, that's not a knock on him. I It wasn't my expectation when he got drafted that at 21, he would be our primary ball handler and taking you know, 15 plus shots per game. At the literal take was that like, are we sure we want to keep running offense through Beal and Kuzma when we just saw a game where Denny went two of three from the three point line? Yes, I, we are I, sure about that. Yeah, I, unless, I think, unless those guys die tomorrow, it's yeah. knock on wood or they get traded and we only have 21 and unders on the team. Yes. We want to run through those guys because if the, if the hope is to win and right now that is what the wizards are saying, that's what we need to do. If the hope is to lose, Run it through Denny. Let him see what he can do. But, you know, if you're trying to win games, you got to play with your best players. Bingo. All right. Of those three takes, what's the worst Wizards take, in your opinion? I'm going to say the first one, the media one. The media one, really, it it makes me angry on like a visceral level because we see this in everything now where the media gets blamed for anybody's actions in any sort of facet of life. But the fact that you're blaming the media for the way that a sports organization that makes billions of dollars is treating their players and the way those players are playing, like, shut up. Be better than that. Like, think about how these front offices work. They're not concerned with what the media is saying, particularly D.C. sports media. I can very much promise you from a firsthand perspective that the media department for the Wizards gives literally no shit what the Wizards or what Wizards bloggers, journalists, whatever think if you're not. NBC, who they employ, uh, The Athletic or The Washington Post, everyone else. And and those people can't go at them uh, for access reasons the way right. other people can anyway. So it's just insane. That's that's probably the worst Wizards related take of the year thus far, in my opinion. I was blo- I was blown away when I saw it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe there is a take in there somewhere where they didn't outline it. I, I don't know, because we went back and forth for a little bit and I was still like, this is just a bad, it's a bad take. Yeah. And and if you were listening and this was your take, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that you need to stop paying so much attention to like the Kyrie tinfoil hat sort of vibes yeah. out there. Yeah. 
log uh, off for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Just, just, just log, log off. We'll take a little breather, come back after the holidays, try again with some new takes. What is it the kids say these days? Touch grass. Yeah. yeah touch grass. Grass. I still don't know what that means by the way. Cause I'm so, I think it means him. log off. I think it means yeah. go out. Okay. I think it literally means go outside. Okay. That's good. Uh, we used to be like, you know, like delete your account or something yep. like that. I think it's the modern delete your account. All right. I, I see, I had no idea. I just heard that. And I figured it out from context clues, but I'm like, there's clearly a reference here that I just don't know because yeah. I'm so old and unhip. These kids these days, uh, Griffin, where can people find you, uh, plug both podcasts for us here, please. I'd love to plug both podcasts. Uh, so I have two, I have my, you know, quote unquote comedy podcasts, uh, list night. You can find us on Twitter at list night. You can find us on any audio platform or on YouTube, the list night podcast. And then my basketball podcast, where we talk about news around the league, uh, player development stuff, uh, recent games, all of that, me and a couple of buddies, it's called the give and go show. You can find that on YouTube. At some point, I will put that up on uh, audio platforms as well. And honestly, screw both those shows. Follow me on Twitter at Griffin Q. I tweet about comic books and basketball and hip hop and, you know, how much I hate my job. So, you know, follow me there. That's as normal a things as people should be tweeting about. Right? Yeah. There's no yeah. conspiracy theories there either. Which is no, I do not tweet about conspiracy theories. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, That's from so- my Reddit account. Exactly right. Your anonymous Reddit account that nobody else <laughs> knows the username to, and that's what those are for. Sure. Uh, all right. So I, I will make sure to uh, include uh, Griffin's handle again in the episode description. Give him follow. Sure. I promise it's worth it. And if you would like to give a present to us here on the show, uh, go tell a friend that you listen to this podcast if they like the Wizards or they just like self-loathing and self-deprecation in general. So, uh, you know, go out and... Uh, and, and spread the word, fellow Wizards fans. We would definitely appreciate that. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this. If you do, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much for having me. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done